two dudes, one microphone, absolutely zero calves. Welcome to Team No Calves Radio with your hosts, Ollie and Adam. Hello guys and welcome to episode 8 of Team No Cars Radio. It's been a long time coming but Adam and I have finally synced up our diaries again to bring to you a fantastic podcast hopefully on off seasons this week. So uh, really looking forward to delivering this one because it comes at a very kind of prevalent time where we should be kind of transitioning from the summer months and for those of you who are competitors coming out of your, your bodybuilding seasons and transitioning into an off season so this will hopefully give you some insight into some recommendations that we would give into going into a gaining phase and what you should and shouldn't be doing hopefully yeah i mean it should be good because we can um touch on a few of the psychological issues um of off seasons as well we can talk about kind of our experience with it ourselves as we've been through quite a few um in our in our old age now um Mm. approaching approaching 30 Jesus. <laughs> um, uh, so you know there's certainly things that hopefully especially for some of the the younger listeners um, who are perhaps just approaching either their first off season or certainly um, one of their first off seasons that can kind of take away and and hopefully utilize things and, and make it a bit more effective for yourself and and perhaps not make some of the mistakes that we made um, perhaps so often so earlier on yeah I, I often find that whenever especially when I started out in this kind of game um, I was so interested and invested in how to get lean and how to look good and I paid so much attention to all the minutiae and the tiny details where, where everything regarded you know getting lean but actually never really paid too much attention to what consisted of a good off season or how to gain muscle um, so it's really good to be able to actually now talk about and ha- hopefully help some of you guys um, with this kind of really important part for building your physique. So I guess the first thing that we should really talk about is, um, you know, setting goals and what actually the aim of an off-season should be dependent on the individual and what their goals are. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I'd define what an off-season is to start with anyway. So I mean, an off-season for those who you know doesn't that doesn't quite correlate to them as what why it would be an off season is essentially just a period of time where the whole goal is just adding on muscle mass so adding on some some body tissue um but uh you know in terms of the extent to what you want to do that is going to be very individual dependent and what an off season might be to one person might be completely different to someone else so i guess the first question i'd be asking someone who came to me is is the goal to perhaps uh, compete one day or or to make essentially bodybuilding um, you know so the act of actually just getting kind of I guess as big as you can naturally is that mm. you know what the goal is because that's going to dictate essentially um, you know the the uh, plan we're going to put in place yeah, sure. the time scales all of those things so yeah I mean the first thing I'd be asking is what is your goal and I think in terms of this we should probably be looking at the goal is to gain as much muscle as possible yeah. over, a, I guess, a career. Would, yeah. you, would you say that's Yeah, about definitely, right? yeah. But I just, I just wanted to, it's kind of off topic, I guess, but, um, well, well, it's not, but it's kind of leading astray. You know, if somebody comes to you and they say that they want to compete, how, how is it that you would kind of um, decide where they'd be best suited in terms of categories? You know, if somebody comes to you now, men's physique is a huge, mm-hmm. um, it's really popular, uh, kind of category to compete in and I think it's just a bit more accessible for people because 
you don't need as much muscle mass. Yeah. But how do you kind of place people if somebody comes to you and says they want to do a, a natural bodybuilding show? Um, obviously, you know, depending on how much muscle they already have, you would have to decide how long they need to spend in a gaining phase. Yeah. How do you kind of steer people towards? Do you give people advice? Yeah. What's your kind of outlook on that sort of that side of things? I guess the first thing I'd be asking is how long have they been training consistently? Because mm. um, that's going to give me a good idea about what someone's, I guess, genetic potential is. Because when it comes down to these things, I think genetics do play. That, that it's you know pretty obvious that genetics do play a pretty large role mm. when you look at the the bodybuilding stages and things like that, especially at the sort of top level and things like that. Um, so I'd be looking at okay, how long have you been training consistently? And then based upon that, where are they at now? Right. So if someone comes to me and says they've been training consistently for um, I guess one year and uh, they are they've put on a considerable amount of muscle mass then in that time good, they've got a good chance yeah exactly I'd be saying okay right well you know I think you've got the, definitely the potential to you know go into a body, bodybuilding category in the future and maybe as we transition towards that you might go through something like physique um, or just one of the lighter categories or you know mm. intermediate novice etc yeah if someone comes to me and they say um, you know, I've been training consistently for six years, um, and I guess you would call them like a hard gainer. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they they've not put on a, a particular large amount of muscle. And that's so honest, that's so tactful. Yeah, <laughs> that I know, was so I diplomatic. know, I know. But it, it's it's true though. Like there are yeah. guys that will have met at points of time who have been training consistently, really well, doing all the right things for a prolonged period of time, and still wouldn't have put on that much muscle mass. Yeah. Do you know? And it's shit. Yeah, because it, it's kind of you can't really tell someone that or it's hard to tell mm. someone that do you know what you're kind of a little bit just limited yeah um but for someone like that if their goal is to be you know i want to step on a, a a stage then i might be saying okay right well we're probably going to be making say a, a men's physique or something that's going to be our our target or yeah. our upper focus um and then essentially how much muscle do we need to put on in order for you to feel confident on stage yeah. and so that's going to dictate kind of the time scales I guess that I'm going to be telling them to go for or what category we're going to be sort of going for yeah and that's good it's nice to know that um, regardless of like Adam spoke about what your kind of genetic potential is you know how gifted you are in this kind of this gene pool and this this luck this game of luck um, there's always going to be options for different people um, depending on how on how, like I say, gifted you are. Mm. Um, and everybody's got the potential and the opportunity to to be competitive in this sport. So definitely, definitely. it's uh, it's nothing but a positive in my eyes. Um, some of these smaller, I wouldn't say smaller categories, but these, these categories of smaller guys mm. get some kind of, you know, flack and stick, but actually it's it's really good for the sport of bodybuilding and it, it fills seats actually. So it's, yeah. it's really good. Well, it's, it's e really easy for a guy who's six foot two and, you know can be lean at 210 to go oh fucking physique it's just like men's bikini but yeah. it's like you know if you're comparing yourself when you're that to someone who's been training for a good amount of time who's five foot seven mm. small waist you know really short clavicle yeah really going to struggle to put on a lot of math a mass you know you need to be aware that that person does want yeah. a chance to compete as well yeah definitely so we've kind of established um you know what an off season is and your kind of potential goals or what your views to do might might be in the future i guess the next thing we should talk about is what we need to pay attention to whilst we're in a gaining phase or an off season um maybe starting with things like the rates of weight gain yeah um so we kind of spoken about this a little bit before but 
it comes down to training age for you know in terms of a beginner is going to be looking to gain more of their percentage of their body weight per month because they're in a position of being able to put on more of that weight as muscle um you know and and <laughs> less of it as fat obviously um if we're to give kind of percentages i mean what would you be saying for a beginner what kind of weight gain should they be targeting um so for a male because um, it is going to depend it is going to slightly vary so dependent on if you're a male or a female um, a beginner sort of one to 1.5 percent of your total body weight per month and then for a female sort of 0.5 to 0.75 percent of your total body weight per month and that's kind of and again that's that's they're not hard and fast numbers because we spoke about genetics and your potential and these are going to be very variable dependent on the individual but mm. that's just kind of a rough guideline if you're shooting much higher above that then there's a good chance that you're piling on lots of fat mass during this gaining phase yeah and i think as well is something to bear in mind is your how how lean you're starting when mm. you're picking percentages because someone who's starting not lean doesn't really need to be looking at gaining a, a gain of weight, of weight. Yeah. yeah exactly um so if you're starting from a lean enough position i'd probably put that as I guess fifteen percent or lower body fat. Then that's where I'd be looking at sort of taking a that percentage. If you see what I mean. Yeah, we, we spoke, didn't we, about people who are potentially kind of already overweight and putting them in a calorie deficit and still gaining tissue whilst in that deficit um, yeah. because, like you said, they have you know excess energy to put uh, um, stored to pull from, and so all those kind of things will will kind of um, help with gaining muscle whilst in a deficit. So yeah like you say it certainly does kind of depend on what your starting point is um and those those figures are really variable dependent on your training age um and and your start point mm. um so we kind of covered a, a beginner there and i guess as well is is figuring out where you you stand you know are you a beginner in terms of in terms of training age i guess the way i would assess whether someone is a beginner is are they seeing noticeable changes in the mirror um probably week to week if not week to week at least bi-weekly mm. um are they getting stronger every session they're going in if that's if that's you then you're, you're in this beginner, beginner stage yeah, yeah definitely definitely it doesn't matter if you've been training six years if you've been training like shit six years and now you've just started following a decent program yeah you're a, you're a beginner mm. um so i guess if we move on to intermediates uh, what kind of weight gain target would you, you be sort of advising those on Again, so like we spoke about, that's going to kind of slow down the, the the rate of weight gain in terms of muscle mass is going to slow down as you become more and more advanced as a lifter. And so for a male, we'd be looking at about 0.5 to 1% of total body weight per month. And for a female, 0.25 to 0.5% total body weight per month. And actually, when you think about that, it's really not a lot at all, is it? Nuts, it? Yeah, yeah, and when you, you, you kind of hear about people gaining masses of weight week on week and you just think you, you dread to think the amount of fat that they're putting on but it's mm. hashtag bulk life hashtag gains and um <laughs> actually realistically especially if you're a natural um th this kind of weight gain really needs to be slow and steady yeah well, i think the biggest thing that i i've taken away from every off season that i've gone on is how how much i've wanted to stick to targets in terms of having an upper limit about mm. how much I want to gain per month because I've had off seasons in the past probably only as recently as about four years ago that literally lasted about six weeks because I got so fat so, fat, so quick yeah. and it was like I didn't put on any muscle in those mm. six weeks you know what I mean I was barely getting into my program yeah 
now I, I kind of treasure that I've got that upper limit of weight gain and if I go above that then I I, I sort of pull back a little bit yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. because I know that the quicker I gain the quicker I'm going to have to come out of a mass mm. and, and essentially the less time I'm going to have building muscles so um, definitely having upper limits of weight um, that you want to you want to hit each month or that you want to gain each month is really really important mm. and to never go really above those you know and if you do go above those for whatever reason um, if it's a you've got had a two-week holiday in there then you need to kind of go right well let's have a perhaps a period of time of just easing back a little bit yeah definitely and that's why it could be quite difficult for newbie competitors or somebody who's just got particularly lean for the first time to avoid that post-show or that post-lean rebound mm. where you just pile on absolutely just loads of excess weight and actually it's probably not well it isn't all fat and you can pull it back in relatively easily but you know you it's a bit of a vicious cycle where you gain loads of weight on the scale you get kind of down you carry on eating and carry on eating and carry on eating before you know it like you say four or six weeks in and you're having yeah. to diet again to get back to normal and you've made absolutely no progress whatsoever so really do um you know pay particular care when you're coming at the back end of being um really lean whether that's a show or just dieting mm. in general yeah definitely and i um, so as we spoke about kind of trying to figure out how if you're a, a beginner you know how would you figure out if you're perhaps an intermediate so you're not progress i would say you, you know you're not kind of progressing you know week to week or bi-weekly like you mentioned it might be from um, training block to training block you might be progressing it might be a, a bit slower mm -hmm. you are noticing subtle changes month on month but it's not you know in your face yeah. really quick changes yeah definitely I, I think it's probably a, a case of um, when you're an intermediate you know you, you might notice kind of your gym bros or your mates or whatever saying you know every two to three months mm. I'll make you looking bigger now yeah. you know a little bit yeah. little sort of subtle things like that rather than you know, Every week on week, week, you're like, oh, my arms looking massive today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's going to be very subtle, subtle changes. Um, so I guess now it's it's a time to move on to kind of more advanced lifters and the <laughs> unfortunately depressing truth um, about that when it comes to rates of muscle gain. Yeah, so it's it's really really slow, and it's kind of like 0.25 to 0.5 percent total body weight per month for a male and 0.125 to 0.25% total body weight for a female per month. Mm. And that is just absolutely minuscule. And we were talking about real life scenarios where how you might kind of decipher whether you're a beginner or an intermediate or an advanced and how you might pick up on which kind of category you fall in. And with a, an advanced lifter, you're not progressing from you know block to block. It might be from you know, macro cycle, it might be yeah. a huge amount of time before you notice that your lifts are progressing, that your performance is progressing in the gym, yeah. that you see changes in your physique. Um, it's a it's a lot slower process. It's it's the kind of diminishing returns yeah. where it takes more work for less gain, mm. essentially. Yeah, I, I think for advanced lifters, so these are people who are, you know, putting on maximum of about... A three pounds max of muscle a year and even then it's probably slightly less than that mm. um looking in the mirror and looking for changes in the mirror on a, a month to month even a month to month it is going to be just like you're not going to see it yeah do you know what i mean you're going to be just annoyed at, <laughs> at the lack of progress that you'll be yeah. seeing because also as well as the fact that you might be putting on 100 grams of muscle in that two month period mm. 
you're also putting on perhaps 100 or 200 grams of fat yeah and so any muscle that you've just built there is kind of being you know that even if it's naked in you know naked to the eye yeah naked to the eye invisible <laughs> to the naked eye yeah. yeah um even if that's the case you know it you would you still wouldn't see it because mm. of the body fat that's gone on alongside it um and i think this is where it's really important to um track progress in the gym as your main measure mm. when you are an advanced uh, lifter looking to gain muscle because essentially if you're getting stronger in those i guess the hypertrophy range you know so that kind of six to 15 rep range or even higher then you know something's changing you know there's some change in the structure you know you've increased your work capacity through the muscle you've perhaps um increased uh the i guess the size of the muscle fiber as well all those things that are going to probably have to take place for you to get stronger over time Mm. that's probably going to be your best way of figuring out am i growing yeah you know i mean definitely yeah, and a lot and sometimes your your training performance simply comes down to to things like levers and being fed and yeah you know having enough calories in you to train harder and so it's not always going to be a case of i'm getting stronger so yeah. i must be building muscle but it certainly plays a massive role um and because you're not going to be able to see these changes like adam says um watching things like your training performance is going to be pretty much your only motivator because you yeah. know realistically you're going to be looking progressively worse week <laughs> on week and that, that's the harsh reality and truth of it yeah um you kind of start looking a bit sluggy you kind of lose your lines <laughs> do you even lift anymore you sluggy. wear a t-shirt and you look hideous right yeah but yeah i mean this is i guess what we're going to go on to actually i think what we should probably go straight on to now um is the the psychological battles of yeah it. um because I know we've all been through it. I'm probably going through it a bit, a bit now, um, yeah. due to the fact that my training's had to take a little bit of a hit lately on certain aspects. Mm. Um, and I, I guess the the first one is that whole putting on body fat. Yeah. How how differently kind of psychologically that feels compared to getting leaner you know at the mm. end of the day when you're in a fat loss phase you look better week to week to week yep, yep. and it's and it's great to be able to chase that um to chase that and have that as a motivator because at the end of the day for a lot of people doing fat loss preps the right way your motivation's nearly as high at the end if not higher than it was at the start because you look better and better and better yeah but it goes the opposite way as you move through an off season and you start unfortunately um spilling over yeah, gym shorts and um, wobbling, <laughs> yeah. wobbling around a little bit more. <laughs> Not that we advocate that. No, no, exactly. <laughs> but it's certainly something that, unfortunately, at some point, is probably going to be there to an extent. Yeah, that you have to kind of battle with. But I think this is um, where people really need to kind of look at where they're starting from, and then get a, um, I guess, uh, I don't know, to look at things in perspective, like if you feel like you're getting fluffy you know are you actually getting fluffy Mm. or are you just not shredded anymore like you know look at look at your peer group or look at the people that you know are training in the gym because if you've still got some abs showing the reality is is even though you might feel fat you are not fat do you know what i mean like this is this is not um a you know you're not looking at things from a, a realistic viewpoint you're looking at things through very warped glasses because you have been say shredded yeah it's it's the curse of being shredded is what i call it and yeah um i was listening to a podcast the other day it was 3dmjs and brad loomis was saying that um you know 
once you've been competition lean, everything outside of that becomes fat, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, he made a point that 90% of the general population would be absolutely elated with having a two pack, but it just doesn't cut the mustard as some for somebody who, who's been particularly lean before. Yeah. Um, but like you say, it's completely down to perspective and you just need to really take a step back from yourself and just say, kind of, you know, get a grip. You, mm. You're more than likely in better shape than 60, 70% of the population. And the thing is, is that you're working towards a goal and you just need to kind of let go of this, yeah. this kind of negative attitude towards gaining body fat because it's all part of the process, part of the process and part of the bigger picture. Mm. And it's a weird concept because if you've um, only ever been in fat loss phases and this is going to be your first off season it's so strange to go oh, you know and it's scary for people to go oh my god i'm putting weight back on now like mm. you know to see their abs going that they've worked so hard for mm. um and the thing to remember is always that if you've been able to achieve that kind of condition before yeah. um there's no reason you can't do it again and you know at the end of the day it's all just a means to an end yeah definitely i mean physiologically losing fat um time after time should actually become more and more difficult if we're being honest about it scientifically yeah. but actually I feel that from from each dieting phase to each dieting phase we become progressively better at it because mm. we have better coping strategies we have previous experience we know what to expect we know how to overcome difficulties and so that like you say always keep in the back of your mind that you'll be able to get get back there when you need to yeah and not to kind of flap and worry that you're never going to have abs again because it's just not the case yeah yeah um so covering obviously like uh, getting fat fat versus not being shredded um so now let's talk about um the difference between i guess when people go into a, a mass phase and it's the seafood diet um yeah. versus just actually loosening things up a little bit and how hard that can be for some um and how there is a kind of fine balance between the two because I think at the end of the day if you're looking at, at growing and you know you need a, a slight surplus of calories coming in uh, you know it's it's better to be okay I don't have to track every single gram mm. of food that goes into my you know my my mouth um, I don't have to track every single meal in my fitness pal I can have mm. days where I come off plan a little bit and, yeah. and you know eat that pizza and eat that ice cream um, but certainly there's the complete opposite way where you you know completely disregard all of the stuff that you've been doing for the yeah. fat loss phase and, and yeah. you just completely lose all habits and just eat everything there's obviously a, a, a kind of fine balance and I think it's a bit of a like bell curve once yeah. you go one side of it you can go really extremely one side of it quite quickly yeah definitely I, f I think this comes massively down to again experience and um kind of figuring this out for yourself i think everybody makes these mistakes mm. i i don't know anybody that hasn't gone from being lean to going into a gaining phase or an off season um one after the other um for the first time and not gained probably <laughs> excess weight yeah. you know oh, just, yeah, yeah. obviously to varying degrees for everybody because everybody's different but um it's really, really normal. And with time and with experience and with doing this or going through this process um, a couple of times, you do kind of learn to get a hold of it and you, you realize that it's not all about just stuffing your face with, mm. with food, like you say. It's exactly the way that you said it. It's loosening up the shackles, not just going completely balls to the walls and, and getting rid of all of those habits yeah. that you've built over time. 
It's like it's loosening up the shackles, not breaking out of prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Prison of the diet. Yeah, exactly. You still need to, and I say this to people who are who are going into an off season and they've just been in a dieting phase with me, is this is just as hard. Mm. It's you will have times where you get to the end of the day and you you've, you know you've eaten there or thereabouts your macros and yeah of course if you if you're still peckish you can still eat something but it's you still have to exercise some level of restraint it's mm-hmm. not a free for all it's not a um a hall pass to just go and eat everything because you will get fat really quickly yeah yeah that's uh, i mean I, you just get better at doing it each time yeah so what's your uh what what's your biggest example of the post diet <laughs> rebound it was actually not so long ago you know and it's bad because I've I've come out of shows prior to the last show a lot better and a lot smoother than I did this one. Yeah. It was really strange because, you know, I just said myself that it comes down to experience and doing it from time to time. But actually, the last show, I think I was so um, not restrictive. Well, I was. Yeah. I, I, put, I put myself on a meal plan, essentially, for ease. And um, it, the show was in November and then it got to Christmas and I'd gained... 30 pounds yeah so I think the th- I think the thing with you is that you're so good at fat loss phases that yeah. it wasn't really as big an issue as it would be for someone like me mm. because you were down back to a normal kind of uh, place within about eight weeks of that do yeah you know what I mean yeah, so yeah. you're kind of so good at getting into that it didn't matter as much for you as it would for perhaps me so I think my my biggest one was um, I did a similar sort of thing in that I worked with a a coach who will remain nameless um, back in 2000 and, uh, what day was it? 2014 and um, dropped a lot of weight in a short space of time and to be fair he, he took me towards my what my goal was mm-hmm. which is understandable you know um, but the, the diet plan was pretty much salmon and broccoli every day <laughs> and I, I can't stand salmon Oh, like, yeah, I hate fish. Yeah, but you had to eat it. But I had to eat it. Skin thinning. Exactly, and it was and it was it was there on my meal plan. Yeah. So what, was, what else was I going to do? There was yeah. no such thing as my fitness power in my eyes back then. Yeah. Um, and then I I think I proceeded to put on about twenty two pounds wow. in the six weeks preceding. So, and that took me another six seven months to get that off. And you know what? That's like. That it that sounds crazy, but that is what happens. Mm. And that seven or eight months that you spent dieting back down is completely wasted. Then yeah. when you could have been, you know, applying yourself into a good program, gaining some tissue, and getting better for the next season. Yeah. But instead, you spent all that time shifting the dieting sh- back yeah. down. Yeah. And this is a real warning to to guys out there who are potentially listening to this who've just done their first fat loss phase and considering going into a gaining or an off season um you just got to be really really careful because Mm -hmm. it's so easy to pile on that weight yeah definitely um cool so we managed to kind of cover that quite nicely um so now i think i'd be looking into a bit of the training itself um and (laughs) essentially what we should perhaps do um, when we hit plateaus or what kind of things do we need to adjust if we're noticing that either performance isn't increasing or maybe if we're a beginner or intermediate that we don't seem to be gaining muscle mass um, to any kind of great extent that we seem to be perhaps just getting fatter but not actually getting stronger if Mm, you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I guess there's a couple of things that you really need to address um, if, if your performance isn't increasing in the gym. So... You know, are you recovering? Um, 
are you taking deloads? Do you need more or less volume? You need to address your, your training intensity. So if we go into a couple of those in a bit more detail and speak mm -hmm. about, um, for example, volume landmarks, um, yeah. what, would you, what would you say about volume landmarks and how can we kind of um, address that if we're plateaued in a, in a gaining phase? Yeah, so I'd be essentially looking at what did I finish my um, fat loss phase at in terms of you know what kind of weight was I lifting? Uh, what kind of, I guess, volume across a session was I able to perform? You know, was I um, perhaps hitting over the course of a week, you know, like 15, 16 sets or whatever across my chest? Mm -hmm. How was I How was I recovering from that at that time? And, and was my lifts going up? Yeah. If you know what I mean? It does Maybe not weekly, maybe not bi-weekly, maybe not maybe even monthly, but was I getting better? Yeah. And essentially that's what I would go, right, that's where I'm starting from. Now, as I've got a bit more food in the system... How am I going to push that up over time? Now, if you're going through a training block, which is kind of geared towards finishing that block at perhaps um, you know heavier lifts um, or a little bit more volume, um, or even if that's not you know week upon week or even month upon month, from block to block, am I getting stronger? Am I yeah. pushing more volume at the end of the day? We know that's going to be the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not, if if even despite extra food, I'm I'm not actually getting better in terms of training performance, I'd be looking at, okay, so how am I recovering from my sessions? Am I feeling very sore still from session to session? So, you know, by the time I've done upper body one or whatever at the start of the week and I get to upper body two on Thursday, Friday, do I feel recovered from that? Am I able to improve my lifts or do I feel sluggish? Is the mm. bar not moving very quickly? You know, if that is the case, then okay maybe i need a time period actually reduced volume to recover if i come back and i've improved then great if i come back and i haven't improved then i know that in reality my volume has probably been getting too high mm -hmm. um so i'd be looking at right where am i starting from and how can i just slowly increase that you know i don't want to go from doing 15 sets on my chest to doing 30 sets on my chest yeah. because it's gonna i'm gonna run into a brick wall pretty quickly so if you know, I am recovering well and not pl and I and I am plateaued. Then I would look to go right now. It's time to push volume up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the difference. Is you know, if I'm not recovering, I need to step back. I need to deload. Come back. Was I stronger? Yes. Great. I'll start incorporating those those reduced volume spells more often. Um, if I if I'm you know feeling good but I'm plateaued then yeah I need to push volume up yeah. that's essentially how I'd be looking at it so when you when you set up a training block then Adam uh, you were talking about those those um, spouts of time where you have reduced volume so a deload essentially mm -hmm. do you schedule those in um, re regardless of how you're feeling in a training block or do you kind of auto regulate and and put those in when you feel that you might need them I do a little bit of both to be honest um, so I'll generally try and, and every five to six weeks have something programmed in more as a proactive measure mm -hmm. um, just to make sure that I'm not going to push it to a point of actually being really burnt out, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean, yeah. and being on the verge of perhaps needing more than a week and actually might maybe needing a little bit longer. So I try and get them in as a proactive measure every five to six weeks. Some people will go, oh, why do you even need to bother doing that? Surely you can just take them as and when you feel you need them. But for me, it's more of a, a preventative measure now. Yeah. Like I've had too many injuries and suffered too many injuries recently mm. to not have, now have this and be like, well, why would I not? Yeah. At the end of the day, what's the point of risking it when I could just put it in there every five to six weeks mm -hmm. as as a, a kind of baseline and just avoid having that 
headache to begin with. Yeah. Um, but then there is also times where I will also regulate it by bringing in a delo maybe a little bit quicker. Mm. Um, so you know, if I feel like my um, my legs are a bit sore and I'm not recovering well enough, I might go right. I'm going to deload three weeks yeah. from from my last one. You know. Mm-hmm. So I tend to get auto regulating about bringing it forward. Um, but I will generally tend to take one every five to six weeks as a general as a kind rule. Of general of rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. What about, what about you? Yeah, I'm the same. I, I program one in um, for every fifth week. And like you say, if I feel like I need a week be, before that, then then I'll take a week or a few days. You yeah, know, it doesn't yeah. have to be a strict week. But it's just a small period of time where volume is reduced and I let myself recover. It's, it's just easy. I used to almost do it um, by accident when I was in the military. Yeah, yeah. We would spend you know time away in the field or away on a course and I couldn't train. And I'd always come back from that time feeling great rejuvenated and actually also more mentally focused and ready to to kind of attack the weights again as it were yeah um so it really does help both psychologically and physiologically i feel really good after a a week of kind of less intense training Mm. but when i look at back in like hindsight when i was performing my like crazy crazy volume sessions Mm. with my my bros and uh we were doing like triple drop sets every set for yeah. every exercise and superseted and it was like <laughs> and um i just remember like back then i used to think oh it's just like you know i could i did this all the time like yeah. that was i was always training that high volume like but in reality i'd do that and then i would maybe the next session go oh i'm just going to have like a bit of a pumpy type session do you know yeah. what i mean and, and it, that is all regulation yeah exactly it? because I, I was i was doing it without really realizing that mm. it was like oh next session i'm just going to go in and get a bit of a pump yeah feel all right good right and time for another bro session you know and yeah, yeah. and that was essentially what i was doing yeah. um but i just didn't realize i was doing it back then you know yeah, what I yeah. Mean? you you kind of you listen to your body don't you and when you're achy and sore you you kind of act um you know as you should well, yeah we're supposed to anyway i think i used to just drop out a leg day <laughs> <laughs> yeah skip carbs yeah, and that's yeah. It, done um so okay we've kind of spoke about um if you have a plateau what you what you might want to do in that situation um and now the kind of question that i get asked most about when um talking about uh, a gaining phase or an off season because everybody's interested in mini cuts yeah um how long and how often should you do a mini cut for and, and sorry when should you do a mini cut mm. I think the thing with mini cuts is where they've taken on um, like much more awareness where people are talking about them a little bit more lately it's almost become like people will ask before they've even started their mass mm. when that's uh, okay so when am I taking a mini cut mm. because everyone's mindset is always focused around fat loss they want to get back yeah. to that as soon as possible yeah. um, whereas in reality I'm I'm like what am I 10 10 months into my mass and I've taken uh, one mini cut mm-hmm. and in reality I, I kind of almost wish I didn't have to take that and yeah. in fact I, it was just enforced I just decided to do it myself mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know the reality is is that the less time I can I can, or the less mini cuts I can do in my mass phase the better because yeah. essentially that's still time I'm not growing Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean ratios um, that are kind of I, I tend to use or I tend to get bandied about quite a bit from um, other coaches is anywhere from like one to four to one to eight and that just means for every four parts mass or eight parts mass you've earned yourself around about one part um, fat loss mm-hmm. so 
I'm very much more towards the higher end of that scale. So if someone's been massing for eight months, then you know they might have earned themselves a, a one month mini cut, and I probably wouldn't even give them a month. I'd probably go right, let's do two three weeks, because I think the point of that is I think mini cuts need to be earned mm. from having periods of time of actually exercising the right weight of of rate gain. Uh, sorry, right rate of weight gain that was a real time yeah mate that was hard um so uh i think saying to someone oh you know we'll we'll mini cut as and when we need it gives people far too much license to go and smash in too many calories and then and then have to mini cut or be in a position where we should mini cut you know every six weeks and i don't want to see that really yeah definitely it is it is a real handy tool as well though especially for competitors to keep on top of your ability to diet as yeah. it were because some people you know get on just fine with being in an off season and being well fed some people really do suffer with it psychologically but um, for those who get on with it just fine and really do enjoy eating um, you know vast amounts of food do need to be kind of kept in check with right this is what being in a deficit feels like although mm. I would say that if you're deep into an off season and you go into a mini cut you don't really feel the effects of a diet do you? Nah you don't you're in a like that's the that's the one good thing about mini cuts but is also it's a good thing and a bad thing it's a good thing that it's easy mm-hmm. it's a bad thing in that in reality like you think oh this is how my next fat loss phase is going to no. be and then it's like no no, <laughs> no. that's not how it works no. at all. If you take someone from an off season phase and they've had you know a few mini cuts and then you take them into a full fat loss phase they're in for a big surprise once they get sort of a few months in yeah that's going to be a bit of an eye-opener well it was like um at the minute i can i can get through a day and get to the end of the day and i've had 1600 calories my hunger is 10 months in the surplus my hunger is not there you know yeah and um and it you know if i was to think oh this is going to be that easy on my next fat loss phase i'd be in for a rude awakening you know what i mean well i think that's quite a nice segue into the next kind of subject which is when should you come out of a mass and I think the point that you just made there of you know being able to eat so low calories you said about eating 1600 calories a day Mm -hmm. I feel that one of the big marker points for when you should come out of a a mass phase or something that you should be looking for is really low food focus um, Mm -hmm. um, not like you're kind of always looking at junk food wanting to eat you know whatever if you're coming out of a mass phase and you're still craving yeah. cheat meals and all the rest of it that's probably not a good sign that you've you've done it well if that yeah. makes sense yeah definitely you've, you've gone too far one end of the spectrum probably, mm. uh, probably and, and lost that habitual eating kind of um or that that awareness of your nutrition decisions i think um i think when to come out of a mass is generally uh if you're working with a coach it's gonna it's gonna be a lot easier because you can kind of, sort of take, get someone to take a more of a subjective look at things mm-hmm. and go okay yeah we've put on some good tissue i think now is a good opportunity however if obviously you're looking at it and doing it for yourself um i would look at have you achieved what you wanted to achieve like have you perhaps hit some of the performance targets that you set yourself um are you perhaps have you attained um, a little bit more of a look that you were after in terms mm-hmm. of perhaps thickness or girth at certain areas of the body um giggity (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh and so you know if you've got to that and uh and then there's obviously like a a target for perhaps a show or you know i mean a holiday or something that's coming up that you've got your realistic time time frame to diet yeah you think it's time to work towards then 
then great. I mean, personally, I think it's, to be fair, it's worth us talking about it personally. Um, for me, this mass phase is doesn't have an end date. No. Uh, in reality, the longer I can stay in this mass phase, the better, mm-hmm. which is why I'm keeping my rate of weight gain fairly strict mm-hmm. because I know that, my, I mean, my rate of weight gain target is half a pound to a pound a month, you know? Yeah. So the reality is, is I know I can, I've, I've been 10 months in, if I can get another, if I can eke out another 14 months, so yeah. two years um, in total, uh, I'll be pretty happy with that if i get to the end of that two years and still think there's a lot of work to be done i'll stay in it yeah um because i have no no end date however i think it might be is it a little bit different for you um i mean slightly i i do get the itch to to you know get lean again and potentially compete but um and then i have these bouts of feeling if i've got good momentum which i do and i feel that i'm progressing well which i am Mm. then why not you know keep hold of that momentum because it's quite frustrating when you're in a fat loss phase and you do lose all of that. Um, well, you don't lose. You, you know, you can do your very best to, to hold on to that. But um, I feel that if progress is good, then keep hold of that momentum. And that's kind of my similar to you. My view towards it now is that I'm progressing well. Um, things aren't getting out of hand. I still feel feel very very comfortable in my own skin. Mm. Um, I prefer the way I look now. I have bags and bags of energy. Yeah, I have a social life. I can go and eat out with friends and family. I can do all those things. I don't have to stress about anything. My business is going well because I'm not, you know, focused on dieting. Yeah. So it's just a really nice place to be at the minute. Um, mm. And those are some of the things that you should kind of, you know, look as a, as a pro, as a positive yeah. when you're in a gaining phase, as opposed to oh, I'm getting fat. Definitely. You definitely. know, you can do all these things that you can't necessarily do when you're dieting. Yeah, and that's why having a good hold on your your rate of gain and and keeping things in place in terms of do you know what i mean just keeping the training up and you know keeping the the kind of sensible nutritional Mm. choices and just not letting it all go um enables you to spend more time thinking about oh you know i can be social and not let you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. completely fuck myself over Mm -hmm. um and i think that's like you said it's something that's worth holding on to the positives of actually this is great you know yeah. what i mean so yeah definitely well i think that kind of almost covers everything that we wanted to talk about with with off seasons um so hopefully you guys have taken something away from that episode and if you are making the transition into an off season uh, coming out of this the summer months then you can apply some of these these principles that we spoke about today And we will be back with another episode in a few days' time because we're going to get back on it, make sure our schedules marry up, um, get some consistent podcasts coming out. So thanks very much for tuning in, guys. And uh, we'll speak to you all again very soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening to Team No Cavs Radio. Remember, plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, progressive overload, and boom, anything is possible. 